The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some of you from for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The word of the Lord. Two weeks ago, we, along with churches all around the world, observed the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Now, I know some of you are wondering right now, how many times are we going to be talking about the Reformation in church? But I'll tell you now that I'm calling it to mind because it informs our gospel reading, so hang with me. Martin Luther, the central figure of the Reformation, is remembered for many things, not all of them flattering, but most notably, He's remembered for his insistence that we cannot make ourselves to be worthy before God. Specifically, he took issue with the church's practice of selling indulgences, arguing that there is nothing we can do to merit or earn our salvation. He pointed to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, which says, For by grace... You have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works. Today, the gospel reading from the 25th chapter of Matthew, the parable of the ten bridesmaids, seems to have the potential to undo 500 years of church doctrine on the topic of salvation, or at the very least, to undermine it. It's a parable about the kingdom of heaven. You heard it a moment ago, but let me summarize. 10 bridesmaids took their lamps to meet a bridegroom. Five of them were wise and brought flasks of oil and five were foolish and did not. When the bridesmaids, when the bridegroom came in the middle of the night, the foolish bridesmaids asked the wise to share some of their oil. And the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. While the foolish went off looking for oil in the middle of the night, 
in the dark. Remember, they didn't have any oil for their lamps. The bridegroom and the wise bridesmaids went into the wedding banquet and shut the door. Later, the foolish bridesmaids returned and finding the door closed, they asked for it to be opened, but the bridegroom answered from the other side of the door and said, I do not know you. It has been suggested by many that the moral of this story is, be like the wise bridesmaids. Be prepared, keep awake, so that you don't find yourself on the wrong side of the door. If it is true that admittance to the wedding banquet rests on being prepared, or having a good supply of oil, or staying awake, or on anything at all that requires something of me, then it flies in the face of what Luther stood up against 500 years ago, and it flies in the face of what the Bible taught and continues to teach today. That is troubling. But it's not the only thing troubling about this parable. The behavior of the wise bridesmaids and the behavior of the bridegroom challenge much of what we know to be true about God. First of all, how is it that the behavior of the bridesmaids, the wise bridesmaids, is commended at all? When asked to share their oil, their reply is a decisive and firm no. They go on to explain that they don't have enough for all of them, so they hold on tightly to what they have, and they send the foolish bridesmaids off into the night to find oil elsewhere. Wasn't it Jesus who said, give to anyone who asks of you? Of course it was. Another passage that might be helpful in listening to this parable comes from the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. It goes like this. When Elijah came to the gate of the town, a widow was there and she was gathering sticks. He called to her and he said, bring me a little water in a vessel so that I may drink. As she was going to bring it, he called to her again and said, and bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, I have nothing baked only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm now gathering a couple of sticks that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Did you catch that? The widow is down to her last handful of meal, which she is preparing to make into a final loaf of bread before she and her son lie down to starve to death. And Elijah says to her, do not be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterwards make something for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of meal will not be emptied and the jug of oil will not fail. So she went, she did as Elijah said, so that she, as well as he and her household, ate for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied, neither did the jug of oil fail. It is hard to say which miracle is greater, that the meal and the oil were not used up and they ate for many days, or 
that the widow willingly gave up the last of what she had for a stranger, that she put another's need ahead of her own, first making bread for him, and then only afterwards making bread for herself and her son. In light of today's parable, it seems the latter is the greater miracle. It's clear that long ago we lost sight of what is enough. And so with a mindset of scarcity, we cling to what we have and we share only that which is on top of or in excess of whatever it is we consider to be enough. I can't help but think about the Israelites in the wilderness and God's gift of manna. There's an important lesson there. God said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for the day. And God continues, let no one leave any of it until the morning. But they didn't listen to Moses. Some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms, and it became foul. So do you see? See how the manna becomes this important lesson on what is enough and on what it is to trust God. So, that's the trouble with the bridesmaids. And now, even more troubling, there's the behavior of the bridegroom. Several things. The bridegroom is with those who do not share behind a closed door, which, by the way, he refuses to open. If this parable is an allegory, as many think it is, and the wedding banquet represents heaven and the bridegroom represents Jesus, then this is alarming. What about Jesus' own words recorded in Matthew chapter 7? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Guess not. It turns out, reading this parable as an allegory, only those who are prepared and who help themselves first gain admittance. But those who aren't prepared, don't. It's worth noting here that while many readers assume the reason behind the five bridesmaids not bringing oil is their own fault or their own short-sightedness, but it's important to remember that this parable does not in any way explain why they didn't have any oil. And doesn't that fact alone allow the reader to at least consider the possibility that they didn't have any to bring in the first place? And finally, that the bridegroom says from behind the closed door, I do not know you, is perhaps the most disturbing thing of all. Again, if the bridegroom is to be representing Jesus, then this suggests that one day you could be knocking on heaven's door only to have your Lord and Savior answer, I don't know you. That should be enough to scare any listener into action, right? It leads us to ask, It leads us to plead, what do I need to do to prevent that from happening to me? Just tell me what to do and I will do it, anything, anything at all. And just like that, with those words, 500 years of Reformation is undone. Because as the Reformation showed when it comes to heaven, it's not about what we do because we can never do enough to merit or earn or secure a place for ourselves. You, every single one of you, has been saved by grace. It's a gift, and it's not the result of your good works. So, if we take what we know to be true about God from Scripture, the moral of this story cannot be 
be like the stingy, wise bridesmaids. Nor can it be, be prepared, or you may find yourself on the wrong side of heaven's door. And the bridegroom cannot be Jesus. So it's important that we take time to carefully reconsider where we do find Jesus in this parable. The parable itself is not explained, and the parts of it, the players in it, are not assigned. So while many interpretations will say the bridegroom is Jesus, there is nothing in this parable that says that is so, which at least invites this question. Might it be that Jesus is on the other side of the door, the side with the foolish bridesmaids? After all, isn't that where we find Jesus all the time? with those who are marginalized, with those who are excluded, with those who have been shut out. This is a far more consistent reading, and it helps us understand who the Savior is as presented in the Gospels, a Savior who gave himself for us and for all people, dying for our sins, a Savior who, borrowing the words from the second stanza of Jesus Loves Me, Jesus loves me, he who died, heaven's gates open wide, he will wash away my sin, Let his little child come in. So we turn to the last line of the parable, which is our key to understanding. It says, keep awake, therefore, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Those words are not directed to just the foolish bridesmaids as a warning, but rather they are directed to all of God's people all of the time. The message of the parable, keep awake, redirects the kind of behavior that is turned in on self and that is constantly occupied with having enough and constantly worried about getting into heaven, and it redirects us to the kind of behavior that is awakened to the needs all around us, that is awakened to the brokenness of our creation, and that is awakened to God, who so loved this world that he became flesh and dwelt among us. So where is God dwelling among us? The last part of this same chapter in Matthew, chapter 25, is perfectly clear about that. God is in the one who is hungry or thirsty or a stranger or sick or in prison or or a bridesmaid who finds herself on the wrong side of the door. Keep awake, therefore, All of you who are on this side of heaven, all of you who rest in the free gift of God, all of you who live every single day by the grace of God, keep awake, for Jesus is all around us. Amen.